Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 135. Growth happens when we're uncomfortable. And I have to know that for my paintings, it's going to be the same. If I'm pushing myself and making work that I'm not comfortable with, that feels really unfamiliar, it's not me doing my thing, it's me just trying new things, then hopefully exciting work will come out of that. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. I'm stoked to join you guys again today because today we've got another deep dive interview and I get to speak with one of my great friends and phenomenal artists. She was actually the my wife's maid of honor at our wedding and today I speak with Today I get to speak with Rachel Rickard. She's a Boston-based figurative painter who has received her MFA from the New York Studio School and her BFA from the Washington University in St. Louis. She's also done different residencies in Vermont Studio Center, James Castle House, Boise, Idaho. Rachel's had different works showings throughout New York where she has been studying for the past 10 years as well as in China and Shanghai. And yeah, just... I truly love her art and I think she's an amazing artist, but today we have a very thought-provoking conversation about following your dreams, chasing your passions, and getting uncomfortable because that's where the growth lies. So very excited to share this conversation with you guys. It was uh, way more heartfelt than I was actually expecting, uh, being that this was originally a somewhat impromptu interview with her, being that uh, her and her husband, John, actually stopped by at our house on their way out west to the desert uh, for her to go paint and get uncomfortable as she references uh, 2022 being her adventure year. So this was just a really fun conversation and truly thought provoking and very excited to share it with you guys. So let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Rachel Rickard. So Rachel, first off, thank you so very much for joining me here on the Art of Awesome podcast. Thank you for having me, Nick. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is pretty cool. We were just talking uh, about the fact that this is like the fourth or fifth in-person interviews, which is pretty cool. The second one that I've done like back-to-back in the new year, I just did one with Dane, so that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's kind of just dive right into it. You are a professional artist. You went to school for... I don't even know. Painting, art study, art history? Yeah, painting. I have two degrees in painting, a BFA and MFA. So I got real specific with it. Okay. Uh, So yeah, kind of, I'd love to hear a bit of your story on how one 
gets into art and then therefore pursues it into studying it and finding a career and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause I myself have, you know, been into painting and mm-hmm. arts and crafts and all that kind yeah. of stuff since I was a kid. And I just thought that was like, you know, what you did as a kid was like arts and crafts and I like to paint and draw. And that was like, cool. And I just, for whatever reason, thought of it always as just like more of a hobby. And, and I'd love to hear how someone takes that and kind of runs mm-hmm. with it more into the career. Cause I've, I mean, I've had a similar, I guess, idea of taking, you know, something that I'm passionate of and turning it into somewhat of a career with, with kayaking and my mm-hmm. athletics. Um, but I'd love to hear the kind of artist version of that similar type story. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think it is similar to what you do in that you have a passion and it can be a challenge to make a living off of it, but you've made it work. Um, and I'm trying to do the same. And, and also, like you said, all kids are really creative. All children are drawing and doing these things. And then as we grow up, a lot of people just kind of lose that, uh, which is kind of a sad thing. But I feel really lucky that I was able to hold on to that. And I think a lot of people can talk about the struggles of being an artist and all that is very true. But I think what we don't talk enough about is how lucky we are to have a passion in general, whether it's art or kayaking or anything, but to wake up and know your purpose. And from a young age, I just always knew this is what I wanted to do. So I kind of don't remember a time when I didn't want to make art. And I just, that never left me childhood through teenage years and then into college and beyond. So it was never really like a choice. It was just kind of a need. I needed to do this thing. It was the one thing I knew for certain that I need to make art. I need to paint. Um, So I've held on to that and allowed that to guide me in the decisions I've made. And studying art in school was extremely helpful. You certainly don't have to do that. But um, understanding art history and as a context for my contemporary practice, meeting other artists, meeting professional artists, building a community, no matter what you're doing, having a community of support, I think is so important. So to surround myself with other artists who have the same passion and the same dreams was a big part of how I was able to pursue this. And moving to New York was also a big part of that. Um which is a little funny saying that now since I just left New York, but I was there for about 10 years and there really is a lot of opportunity there. There's so many artists and arts. You can see anything that you want um, and meet so many different people. And there's also lots of opportunities to begin to share your work. And from there it starts to build into exhibitions and then hopefully sales and then hopefully being in a place where you can support yourself doing what you love. That's awesome. There's there's a couple things in there that that I'd love to like unpack a little bit. Mm-hmm. One that first off you you mentioned how children are so regularly creative. Mm-hmm. And it seems as if I don't know if it's just as we grow up or if it's like as we get older society almost like dicks, dictates that we should, you know, um act a certain way or or kind of like you know, the old saying, like, get a haircut, get a real job type thing like that. Totally. I just, yeah, I wonder how much, I don't know, I guess, yeah, how how much of it, like, how many people just lose that creativity because of, you know, pressures on society and and what we could do moving forward Mm -hmm. to encourage that creativity to Mm kind of continue on. Yeah, I think a big part of it is, um, when children start to become self-conscious and you'll, I'm sure you'll see that with your own kids when they're at a certain age and they're young, they're making work and they're proud of it. No matter what the drawing is, they want to share with you. They're excited by what they did. 
And then it starts to switch where they go, wait, this doesn't look like it's supposed to. This doesn't look like the scene that I was imagining. This doesn't look like the thing I was trying to draw. And so they start to not like their work anymore. And I think it is, yeah, a combination of societal pressure and then also that self-consciousness of not, you know, you're feeling weird about yourself as you're growing up and a lot of things are changing and you don't feel secure in what you're doing in the same way. Right. Um, so it's hard, I, yeah, how to hold on to that creative spirit. I think it's a lot of kind of encouragement and just opportunities to make. Because um, even adults, a lot of adults in my life that aren't artists, like my husband, will be like, oh, I, I, don't, I can't talk about that painting. I'm not an artist. I don't know what I'm saying. And it's like, of course you can. You're just looking at something and responding to it. You don't right. have to be an artist to do that. So I think we kind of need to encourage each other. This isn't just for artists. It's for everybody. Looking right. at work, responding to work, and making work. It doesn't have to be a certain standard. Um, it doesn't have to look like anything. It can be whatever you want it to be. But yeah, it's a lot of encouragement and maybe in schools also, I think, prioritizing that. Often arts programs are cut, like music programs and things like that can kind of be cut from schools or may not be as well funded, especially in different like low-income schools and things like that. Um, often the arts are kind of privileged thing to be studying and to be offered to children. Um, because it also isn't a practical career path, and it's really not. Um, right. And it definitely took my parents kind of resisting. They both said, I don't want you to go to art school. And I sort of was like, hmm, we'll see about that, um, mm-hmm. and figured out a way to do it anyway. But I was really lucky in the end to have their support. Not everybody has that. Um, it's a lot of people, yeah, how am I going to feed my family and do all these things? And there are ways to do that in the arts and have jobs in creative fields. You might not be making, you know, surgeon money but you can do okay right um and i think it's just a lot of yeah sharing that education sharing it as kind of an option um so a lot of kids can say this is a thing that i could do when i grow up right yeah and and i think too it's it's beyond just the arts is so generalized right i mean Mm -hmm. like painting sculpting music um but it's really just it's it's almost like in my you know abstract uh, view of the whole thing maybe it, it's just like a, a creative flow do you know what I mean it could be mm-hmm. anything it could be could be cooking I mean I, yeah. I regularly find like a similar joy in cooking that I do in 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 uh, painting or drawing or something like that and it's just like to me it's like you're creating something out of nothing a little bit mm-hmm. um, and and I wonder if if like I don't know. I, I imagine anyway that maybe engineers or I don't know, maybe engineers are a little bit different mind, mindset than, than artists. But I, like, I wonder if like an Elon Musk mm-hmm. has that same like just creative flow of like an, an artist in the mm-hmm. sense of like, OK, I've got this, you know, vision and I'm going to see it through. And I don't know if he would consider himself an artist that he, he might consider yeah. that. An insult. I, don't, I don't know. How but that being falls creative, yeah. I think, yeah, we need to understand how to value creativity and that it's not just for visual arts right. um, or things like that. All these different paths have creativity and I think we can encourage it no matter what. Like my husband, John, is a software engineer and obviously we think very differently, but he's so creative in what he's building and doing, just doing it in such a different way. Right. Um, and that's really cool to see and learn from him and vice versa for him to kind of learn from me. Um, yeah, and I, I think I know value on creativity in whatever field it is is really important, and it's something that kids have naturally. And then I think as, as we grow up and we're trying to fit in, being creative is kind of associated with being different or thinking outside the box, and maybe we start to limit ourselves. Right. Yeah, and the, and the thing about art too is there's uh, what's the saying? It goes something like that: uh, "Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder." Yeah. Um, and it. 
reminds me so much of like when I was young and into art. I remember going to a couple museums and seeing abstract art or mm -hmm. just like, you know, odd sculptures and, and stuff like that. And, and just thinking like, oh my gosh, one, these look like a, you know, a four-year-old could do them. Uh -huh. And two, I can't believe people pay these like hundreds <laughs> of thousands or millions of dollars for these things. Like mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure, you know, my little cousin could like dump a mm -hmm. can of oil on that cone and, and also make that same thing. <laughs> and it's not like, um, it, obviously it has to do with the artist that is creating the art, but there is that combination of, you know, the beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, but also it's the confidence to just go forth and do it. And, and mm -hmm. I think part of at the time, and I, and I'm, it's easier to reflect on it now being a little bit older, that the reason why I didn't appreciate it maybe as much as I do now when I was younger is because I was pretty into realism art, which mm -hmm. is like photorealism, like stuff that looks like a, a photo, a photograph or something like that. And I think I liked that because I was told to like that. Like when you make art, you try to make something look as, as close to as what it really looks like. Do you know what I mean? And so I didn't appreciate so like a Picasso. Do you know what I mean? Cause I didn't, mm -hmm. I'm just like, that doesn't look anything like real life. What, what, like, I don't get it. And so the whole idea that you can create something, one that is unique two to have the confidence to do it. And then three that like, that it's okay to be different. Do you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I think those are three things that we need to encourage more often. Um, Absolutely. And it, it would be amazing to see just what the world will continue to evolve into, hopefully, um, as we foster just creativity as mm -hmm. a whole. I think we're definitely more in an era now than... I don't know, maybe than ever before where, you know, creativity is, is encouraged. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that I was actually talking with, with your husband, John, about this yesterday, I think, um, so many, there's, you know, so many problems throughout the world in all sorts of different things. Um, oh, yeah. but it's the, it's the creative people in the world that are, that are coming up with, you know, new and creative ideas to solve these problems. Mm -hmm. And so I think more than ever, like that creativity is, is encouraged to like, let's all think outside the box. You know what I mean? And, and let's yeah. think outside of the box for ways to solve these huge problems. Like we need to, in order to kind of save the planet, save society, do everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that you told that story because I think that is so relatable. I've had that experience too, as, especially when I was younger in a museum going, why is that in here? I could do that. Right. Or, you know, a four-year-old could do that. Um, and I think we need to kind of change our thinking. It's that instead, why does that not empower then right. the person looking at it? Is it says, I could do that. They say, I could do that. I could make that. And it's art. And instead it's this kind of weird negative. And it's like, why don't we flip that into a positive? And you see something that you think, I could do it, so do it. So try it. Because those artists were just, they did it. Um, and a lot of like abstract art, minimalist art, some some of the things that you're probably referring to came out of a period where they were reverting back to childlike art because they said, kids, that's where creativity is. It's unselfconsciousness. Um, and it's new and it's exciting. And how do you do that as a grown up? And that's really challenging. It's actually really hard to make an abstract painting. But right. when you look at a child do it, they're brilliant at it. But now we're so self-conscious and we're thinking about so many different things and we're thinking about people looking at it later. So it's hard to kind of be just presently in that moment of making 
if you look at like a Jackson Pollock drip painting that everyone goes, what is it? You know, it's easy to look at that and think, I don't understand why that's here. It's actually super hard for him to have arrived at that and to make for the first time really in art a line that didn't reference anything at all except itself. It was just a physical mark. It didn't reference space. It didn't reference any kind of illusion of an image. It just was a mark in and of itself. Hmm. And that's pretty powerful. But instead of thinking about that and then thinking about, wow, that's enough that I could do, that my mark, something that I made just for my own hand that no one else did, that could be important. Instead, we kind of want to look down upon it instead of realize how empowering that should be. Yeah, that's it's powerful to think of it in that light. And, and I, I guess I haven't thought of it that way that much before in the sense that yeah. like maybe the whole purpose of that art is to encourage people to think yeah we all have creative genius within all of us yeah. and everybody should you know try to do their own thing regardless how simple or complex it could be definitely so. and those paintings are called action paintings and it's really just a record of this one person's action and that's pretty exciting like he's made that part of history just the way his arm moves hmm and that's enough. That's cool. So going from, you grew up in DC, mm -hmm. you moved to New York mm -hmm. studying art. Um, obviously you were, you're talking about how there's so much, you know, so many artists, so much, uh, availability and, and mm -hmm. encouragement and, um, resources and everything there. Now you're at this period, you've, you've been to New York for 10 years uh -huh. and have been super successful. You've had different um, galleries and showings and sold some incredible art. Um, you. Now you are, as of like uh, this week, yep. moving into a Subaru Forester <laughs> and, and hitting the road, uh, uh. following similar um, journey that, that I've probably been yeah. on. Um, but... How is that whole experience of like a combination of leaving your art studio mm -hmm. and and almost like I envision it a little bit as as like physically leaving the you know thinking outside the box. It's like no, you're actually like getting outside leaving of the, the box. box. Yeah, leaving yeah. The box. I've been yeah towing this line of being thrilled and being terrified for a while now in anticipation of 2022, which we are calling our adventure year. Um, the thing about New York, it's it's so incredible and there's so many opportunities there that it is hard to leave it, especially once you build your network there. And it, in the art world, like in so many other careers, it's like you can make if you make it in New York, like that's the epitome. You want to make it in New York. You want to show your paintings in New York. And that is still always a goal of mine and something I want to continue to do. But I just started to realize, do I have to make the paintings in New York um, right. or can I leave? And I, it was really hard for me to accept leaving. But I realized that I needed to shake up my life a little bit. Um, obviously, the pandemic has been rough for everybody. In New York, it was definitely very challenging. You don't really move to New York to stay in your apartment and right. not do anything. And that's kind of what it's been like. Um, and the art world has sort of recovered and bounced back. And, you know, galleries are open, museums are open, which has been amazing. Um, but it did also make me realize how connected we can be without being physically in the same place. And so the pandemic was sort of a lesson in a lot of things, but one of them was that I can stay connected to this and not be physically here. And then the other one is that I need to be living in the moment a little bit more. I'm such a planner that when all plans were canceled kind of indefinitely without the ability to then replan things, 
um, it made me realize how much I hold on to that. And so for just myself, I think I needed to be a little more adventurous and have this year where we don't have it all planned out. We're sort of figuring out as we go and experiencing different things. And really the thing that set it off was that I had been applying to artist residencies like I've done around and I had applied to one that I didn't get into that was in the desert in New Mexico. And I just was like, man, I really just want to have my Georgia O'Keeffe moment. I really just want to paint in the desert. And John said, well, let's just go then. Let's do our own desert residency. Why can't we just do that? And I was like, you're right. So we decided let's work remote and I can paint from anywhere. Um, So him saying that is what sort of encouraged us to hit the road. And I am really excited. And then the other part is that I paint what is around me. I paint my experiences, my surroundings, my spaces. And that really hasn't changed much in the last five years. And I'm looking at my work thinking I need to shake up my work which sort of means I need to shake up my life. So hitting the road, um, heading out west for a little bit, and we'll see what I paint when I get there. I don't know really what it's going to be like, but it'll be some sort of reflection on what's going on around me. Have you thought about, one, I guess I love that you're doing this. This is <laughs> awesome. And, and I'm a, a huge um, advocate, or is that the right word? Anyway, mm-hmm. um, of you know, kind of getting outside of the norm, stepping outside of the box Mm -hmm. and encouraging adventure because I think adventure is, I don't know, that's, for me anyway, it's always been like the, that's where memories are are made. Absolutely. And you and Emily have been a big inspiration to us in the way you live your life. Um, It's so possible. Right. And you can have a really, really rich life when you're out doing things and living a little. And so that's sort of like, we need to go collect some life experiences we need to be present day to day, not anticipating the future or replaying the past. Like, how do I be truly present? And I think it is doing something like this where you're having new experiences and being bold and trying new things, which is hard for me to do. Well, uh, it's hard for everybody to do. Yeah. And, and I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the other thing too, I think that even when you are okay with doing it in, you know, in one area of your life, maybe something else, you're just like, whoa, I wouldn't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. how many people, okay, Dane Jackson, a friend of ours Mm -hmm. both, um, and phenomenal athlete, has traveled the world. There was a period of his life where he wouldn't eat like very small amount of foods. Like we're just like, oh, I'll travel the world and I will do all these different things, like very adventurous, but it's like, oh, but food? No, no, I'm not adventurous with food. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and so like, I think people get into, and I mean, I've got, I'm sure there's, everybody has an example of that where it's like, yeah. you're adventurous in this area, but maybe you're you're pretty strict or like stuck inside this box or bubble in, in a different area yeah. of life. And so I wonder when you're going out into the desert or just traveling around and and you you start painting, whether or not you start trying different styles as well in the sense Mm -hmm. of like not just different, you know, areas and locations and themes of of what the art looks like, but it's like maybe we like you try something totally different that you've never tried before and just like really trying to, I don't know, get adventurous. Yeah, Um, I think I'm ready to. Um, I've. And I think leaving New York is going to be important for that sort of journey because I I know that there's sort of an expectation for my work or there's an idea of my work when people think of my paintings. And so there's kind of a pressure to make the paintings that people are kind of thinking are Rachel Rickard paintings. Right. Um, and so when I 
thought in the past about trying kind of something different or different subject matter can be like, no, 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 that's not going to fit with what I do. And that could hurt the trajectory of my career because like I'm already, you know, known for this thing. And what if I switch it up? Um, and then again, the pandemic happened and I was feeling, I was, I really struggled to paint for months in 2020, just with certain opportunities that went away, the horrors of the world in general. Um, I just had the hardest time painting and I realized I couldn't continue making the work I was making. And I started to like everybody, especially in New York, just take a lot of walks around my neighborhood. What else are we going to do? Um, but it led me to admiring the Roosevelt Houses, which is a New York City um, housing authority, housing projects um, that are right outside my studio window and like around the corner from me. Um, the way they look at night, they, you know, under the cloak of darkness, they come alive and there are so many different colored windows. And in Bedside, where I lived, all the other buildings are like three or four stories. And these are like 16, 18 stories. So they tower above everything. It's a really unique New York experience of being able to look up and just see one building against the sky instead of this cluttered view. Yeah. Anyway, and I, so I started doing these paintings of them. But at first it felt really kind of dangerous because I make, I do figurative paintings. I'm painting interiors. I'm doing self-portraits. And here suddenly I'm doing these sort of dreamy cityscape, these these paintings of buildings that I also, often I paint kind of realistically and I was kind of inventing things and doing from memory and they were really, they were still grounded in reality based off these buildings and my experience of looking at them at night, but they were their own things. Um, and because it was the pandemic and sort of no one was doing anything or looking at anything and I was I was very much in my own little world, it, it freed me up and I did this work that I don't think I would have ever done before. And then that has led me to be like, oh, I can paint kind of anything if it inspires me. It doesn't have to fit um, into the box that I already made for myself. And so, yeah, I've never done landscape really, only a little bit when I was in Boise at a residency. And that was my first time getting a taste of it. And I think it is. New York is such an inside, you know, you're kind of always turning inside. There isn't some inspiring landscape outside your window. Um But a big part of going west is, yeah, I want to paint the desert. I want to paint outside. Uh, John got me a plein air easel for my birthday. So I have that, which I've never done before, gone out into the landscape really and painted like that. That's cool. Um, I'm very much a studio painter. I like having all my stuff. And even the landscapes I did in Boise was through the window. You know, I was still in my studio. So I'm ready to get out into the desert and see what happens. And the work is going to be different. And I don't even know kind of stylistically how it's going to be rendered. Probably pretty loose if I'm painting, doing quick paintings outside. The experience of being in the elements is going to be very different. Um, Yeah. So I have kind of no idea what's going to happen with my work or my life, really. And I'm okay with that. It's like the first time that that feels good and that feels really exciting instead of just scary. It's still a little scary, but... The unknown has become now like a really beautiful place to be. I love that. And you just put that so elegantly <laughs> um, because everybody has been there mm-hmm. and, and had that experience in some way of another of like feeling the unknown. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you're completely, in in my opinion, correct in the sense that it is a beautiful thing. And it's just like mm-hmm. with the unknown is where opportunity lives like mm-hmm. um and so yeah. whether it be scary or whether it be an opportunity that you don't like sure that's a possibility but it's also it could be an opportunity that could you know change 
the whole direction of your life in a positive manner yeah. as well. And so, um, yeah, what, there's a there's a, a saying I heard yesterday, and and uh, it's something like, "Calm waters don't make for great sailors," hmm. or something like that. Where it's just like you have to you kind of like get out into yeah. the storm to become good at anything. Um, Growth happens when we're uncomfortable. Yeah, and I have to know that for my paintings, it's going to be the same. If I'm pushing myself and making work that I'm not comfortable with, that feels really unfamiliar. It's not me doing my thing. It's me just trying new things. Then hopefully exciting work will come out of that. Right. I mean, I kind of have to believe that and I do believe it. Right. And even if, even if you go out and you do, you know, months of landscape and then obviously doing new stuff, like what you're saying, that's where the growth, you know, lives Mm -hmm. is, is in this, uh, uncomfort and, and new opportunity. And maybe it's something that you don't fall in love with. But maybe you still learn something that when you come back to doing, whether it be studio work or whether it be, you know, self-portraits or something, maybe there's a new little flair of something yeah. that you're like, oh, I like doing this now that I did. I didn't like this landscapes, but there was this one thing that mm-hmm. I really got from it. You know what I mean? And now I incorporate that into everything. And so again, it's not like everything and every adventure I've definitely done, you know, first descent rivers that were, that were total like not a waste of time, but where you're just like, oh, that was not what I was expecting. Yeah. Like that didn't go <laughs> over so well. Not what I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah, it was not what I wanted it to be. That's a, such a better way of putting it. But um, but at the same point, there's always lessons to be learned. Yeah. And and that's, again, either way, that's where the growth comes from. So. Absolutely. And just adding kind of things to your toolbox, experiences you can take from with painting, ways of painting, colors, experiences of being outside. Um, it's important to know what you don't like as much as what you like, I think. And you don't know those things. You won't be able to discern that until you've tried them. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's uh, – I did another interview with someone, and, and they had encouraged me to um, to write quotes on my kid's bedroom door, which I've been doing for the I last uh, couple, yeah. couple days or couple weeks. And this morning's quote was – I think it goes, um, good decisions – come from experience and experience mm. comes from making bad decisions. Oh, wow. And there so it is. like it's, yeah. it's regardless whether, you know, it works out or not, you'll learn something from it and you'll definitely grow. And, and yeah, I'm pretty excited for you and what's going to come from this next couple months. And Thank the other you. thing too is like, yeah, I mean, just the idea of traveling. I'm such a, a fan of travel. Um, be, probably because I'm, been so fortunate to be able to do so much of it myself mm-hmm. but that's the majority of my life experience and and the knowledge that I have and and everything that I would consider that I you know somewhat know is probably due to travel and the experiences that it has brought me it's like you you could read all the books you know mm-hmm. in the world but if you don't get out there and try it it's just not the same. Like Yeah, and meeting different types of people. And I think when you're in one place for a while, you start to surround yourself with obviously your friends and people that you are similar to or like-minded with, which is wonderful. And it's it's important to have people in your lives that you're deeply connected to in that way. But then like how do you grow if you're not meeting then people that are surprising you and teaching you different things that are just, yeah, have had different stories, different paths. Um, <clears throat> for me, when I went to grad school, that was kind of a really eye-opening experience because – you know, you go to school up through college, everyone's kind of the same age and you're often surrounded by 
you know, where you went to high schools, all the kids that grew up around you, everyone's sort of having similar experiences. But my grad school, there were students all different ages, all different backgrounds. You know, someone in my class had been a lawyer, retired. She was in her 60s, wanted to get her MFA in painting. She had a totally different life than I had had. Others who had been supporting themselves since they were teenagers, who had had a different path in that way. And, you know, so range of ages, range of backgrounds. And that was really important for me and really helped me kind of grow up and understand um, the world in a different way. But here we all were united by the love of painting and art making and they were, we were all together. And that was a beautiful thing, understanding the commonalities between different people and how passion can bring people together, whatever you're passionate about. Um, it's really amazing. I love that. And, and the thing is, is that everybody is, is likely passionate about something. Yeah, and, and once we realize that, you know, there is this unity that is global. That mm-hmm. like everybody can understand and share the love of a passion. Even if your passions aren't the same thing, you understand. Like, oh, I get that you're so passionate yeah. about this because I'm so passionate about so something. You're different. gonna geek out about whatever your thing right. is. Yeah, right. you get so, that. Yeah, I think that's something that everybody can kind of get behind and understand yeah. for sure. And I think we all, yeah, need to encourage each other to pursue those passions, even if it's not able to be the income earning thing, but to do it and spend a lot of time and energy doing it, not be afraid to. Um, you know, like John is a climber. My husband's a rock climber and that's his passion and he spends a lot of energy doing that and he should. And I'm so happy for him when he's going on trips and doing these things because I know that's him in his happy place. Yeah, Just like when he sees me painting or doing residencies or whatever I'm doing, he knows that's my happy place. Encouraging each other's passions, I think is super important. That is super important. And talking about encouraging people to follow their passions, what advice would you have for, I would, I was going to say a young artist, but really anyone, anyone that has a passion for anything in life, what would be advice for like, you know, taking it to the next mm-hmm. level or, or trying to run with that as an idea in, in anything that's, you know, passionate for them. Yeah. Well, my first thing would be to understand that you're lucky if you know your purpose, because there's a lot of people that feel really aimless or it takes them a long time to find their purpose. But if you have a thing that you know you want to do every day, or you know that that's what you want to make your life about, you're very lucky. So even there, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard no matter what it is, but you're lucky to have that and let that drive you and continue to drive you. And then surround yourself um, with people that can teach you things, uh, whether in your field or not, but you always want to be learning and growing. And then a big thing is to be a um, positive member of a community and that you are contributing to a community, um, giving without taking. I sort of believe in like playing the long game, if you're you know calling it, where it, let's say you love a gallery, you love the work they show, you, you want to show in that gallery one day. Don't go and ask for anything. You better go to that gallery and show support. Go to the openings. Talk to the artists. Share images of the work. Support. Be supportive. Um, be a supportive member of your community, no matter what it is, and an encouraging member of your community. And I do think that energy will kind of come back to you. If you're out there supporting your friends, um, any field can be competitive. Let's say someone's doing a lot better than you. They have more opportunities, whatever. Yes, you know, we're going to feel jealous. We're going to have some negative feelings. Accept them, move on, and then support them because that's what you'd want for yourself. So I really think being supportive, trying to learn as much as possible and surround yourself with people that are experts or can teach you things about what you're interested in um, and then understanding how fortunate you are to have a passion. Wow, that 
That is such a great way. <laughs> you just laid out such a beautiful blueprint of like <laughs> how to take a passion and run with it yeah. and and succeed in life. And and I think you're you're completely correct that it it is beautiful to know you know, what that passion is or, or know Mm -hmm. what that purpose might be. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't have given any better advice and I'm actually going to take that to heart and with everything that I'm trying to excel at or all of my passions in life, I'm going to try to uh, surround myself with people that can teach me more, Mm -hmm. uh, continue to learn more and, and continue to grow. This is, uh, this has been awesome. So, um, yeah, always be a student. Uh, yeah, the beginner's mind. I mm-hmm. I love that uh, that mentality of just like continuing to to learn and because we all are. I mean, gosh, there's just so much. There's so much information. Mm-hmm. There's so there's yeah. I feel like I I couldn't. I I need like a million lifetimes to learn as much as I yeah. want to learn. So we'll only scratch the surface. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rachel, this has been super fun and I love getting to talk with you. I'm going to move us on to the next part of the show that I call the fire round and I'm going to fire Uh off a couple quick (laughs) questions that I ask all of, all of my guests. Um, first off, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Um, I do have a favorite quote and I'm going to paraphrase it. So I might mess it up a little bit, but it's from Robert Henry's, um, book, the art spirit, which is a compilation of his writings and letters. He was a, a big painter in the Ashcan School in New York in the early 20th century, and he was a teacher. Um, and so this book is a compilation of a lot of his lessons and letters between other artists. So this is a paraphrased quote, but he said, um, there are moments in our lives when we seem to see beyond the usual. These are the moments of our greatest happiness. And wow. I love that quote because it just reminds me of the potential in our world, in our everyday. And it's really kind of how I paint and how I think about my life, that it's unfolding around me. Um, and these are not singular experiences. They can all be fuel for a painting. If you just look at something a little closer, um, nothing's kind of a missed moment. It's all kind of fuel. Um, yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, to, to think about just how, how the moments of our life really do shape it and when you stop and live in the moment I think too yeah. often you know we live in such a fast-paced society that uh, it's easy to either live in the future or live in the past mm-hmm. and to take a moment and recognize the present is uh, sure is a gift so mm-hmm. I love that Rachel do you have a favorite book or current book that you might be reading I do have a favorite book um, it's a book that I read every couple years it's called The Agony and the Ecstasy. It's by Irving Stone. It's about Michelangelo. Um, so it's historical uh, fiction in a way that because it's from his perspective. And obviously they don't know what Michelangelo was thinking along the way. But I'm obsessed with this book. And it's super long. It's like 700 pages. And I recommend it to people who love it. And then also people are like, why would you ever recommend this book to me? So <laughs> that's just my little warning. Um, but for me... The, the struggle and the journey that a genius like Michelangelo went through in order to make the work he made, it was a very different time where you we're so lucky as artists now we can make, we make work because we want to make it. It's not all commission-based because a pope made us make it. It's basically how they were operating. Um, so whenever I'm feeling like it's too hard to be an artist and there's all these struggles, financial, whatever they are, I read that book and it inspires me and it gets me so jazzed up and I'm just obsessed with his work too. Um, 
which probably came from being in Florence when I was 20 years old for a couple months, which was amazing. So, yeah. That's, that is incredible. Um, yeah, obviously, um, what an incredible artist and, and painter himself. Uh, I haven't read that book though, so I might have to pick it up. You might and... hate it. <laughs> it's, well, it's real like nerdy artist kind of thing too, but okay. maybe you'll love it. Maybe I will. I don't know. I'm just warning you. I am i don't know if I would consider myself a nerdy artist, but <laughs> <laughs> I would consider myself probably nerdy in other parts of life. Yeah. And you're a nerd an and an artist. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it might hit Maybe, the, maybe, you know. maybe. Um, Rachel, if you could go back in time to oh any time in your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what might it be? Wow. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a tough question. Um, I'd probably go back to my first year in New York. I moved there when I was 21, right after college. Um, I've never been more anxious and terrified. I had a really hard time at first. And I probably tell myself that I can do this and it's going to be okay because I didn't believe in myself then the way I do now. And I think then I didn't see the different paths to success. Um, it sort of felt like you have to make it super big. Um, you have to be part of history in order to have made it. And I don't think I understood that the smaller joys, the small accomplishments, that's what builds up a life and that's a life that's really worth living. So to appreciate that and just know that I can do that and I will have some version of that, I would want to tell myself that. I love that. It's such great advice. <laughs> and it's it also reminds me, and I think I may have said this before, but <clears throat> in the like, I don't know, 100 plus interviews that, we, that we've done mm -hmm. or that I've done with the podcast, almost everyone says something along the same lines mm. of really just encouragement to themselves, you know, just keep going. You can do this. We're going to make it. Um, and it, it, every time I hear that, it just reminds me that no matter what I'm going through now or what anybody's going through now, mm -hmm. your future self would love to tell you to just keep going and, and push through and, and you're going to be just fine. And yeah. so it more than anything, uh, it's such a great reminder to our past selves, but almost more so to our present selves. You're right. That's really nice to think about that now, that 10 years from now, Rachel can tell me the same thing. That's really nice. We're all, we're hard on ourselves. Everyone is. Yeah. Um, and I do think with age, you sort of accept yourself more, um, but you're still, there's, it's still hard on yourself. So we always need encouragement. Yeah, we still have that uh, that inner child within us, and mm -hmm. hopefully, that inner child is is still blossoming with yeah. creativity. But yeah. either way, uh, I think that child needs a hug and some love and encouragement every now and <laughs> yes, then. Yes, it does. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, totally. Um, so this question is always one of my favorites to ask, and it's I don't know. For me, it's a bit of a doozy, and I love listening to the answers. But if today was your last day on Earth, and all of the work that you've done, all of your art, all of your studies, uh, it was all to go away with you, and all that you were left was a piece of paper and a pen, and you could leave three truths, three things that you believe to be true for your friends, for your family, for your husband, John, for the wow. world. What might those three truths be? 
Oh my gosh. That's so intense. Okay. One of those truths would, I would write, I have been loved and I loved. Because I think that's, I important to realize that you have been loved and that you have given love. So I'd want everyone to know that, that I knew that. I'd say that. Um, Wow. Oh, all my paintings gone, huh, man? That's the legacy. So what other truths? Um, I don't have regrets about the way I've lived my life that led me to this moment. And that I made some good paintings. I can paint, and uh, sometimes it's hard to admit or good at something or accept it but I would want everyone to know that yeah I'm, I'm really happy I did this thing I wouldn't want to go now because I got so much more painting to make so many more things I want to do um, so much more life to live but I'd be happy with the paintings that I made up till now if that was it that's amazing and I love that you would give the 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 confidence and say like even if the art wasn't there to let the world know, hey, I did this thing and I was proud of it. Yeah. And I just want you guys to know that uh, <laughs> that is so that truly I think that is is quite powerful and uh, and it is amazing. I'm very excited for your journey, Rachel. Thank I you, Nick. love your art. I'm excited to see what you're about to create. Um, something that I try to do for all of the guests that I bring on the show is. Uh, I get so much value out of these interviews and I would love to provide any value that I can. So is there something that you're focusing on right now that I might be able to help you out with or possibly even my listeners? Oh, wow. And definitely. And I think what I need to hear from you is kind of advice about the way you and Emily have lived your lives, living presently, on the move. Um, How do you all create a sense of home without being at home? Hmm. Um, I think, I think we have a piece of art actually upstairs in our bedroom and I think it says, uh, I'm home when, when I'm with you. Mm. And, and I think for me personally, and probably for, I can't speak for Emily, but I would imagine she feels something similar that the more that you travel and the more that you're, you know, on the road or abroad or wherever, um, you start to realize that there is this home within you mm-hmm. and whether it be through yoga or meditation or painting or art or cooking or mm-hmm. kayaking or whatever it is, there are these moments in life where you just, um, you go within mm-hmm. and, and you're just kind of in the moment and it's really just you and the world and for me, anyway, that's always brought this peace and this sense of home. Um, and once you realize that, then then home is just always within you, mm. and you can always, you know, retreat back to that place by, you know, picking up your paintbrush or going, you know, to the river or or cooking something or whatever it is that that passion might be. And um, it's powerful to realize because you don't need a, a location. You don't need a physical, uh, you know, building or, or anything. You yeah. just need, you need to know that 
you're capable and that it's within you no matter what it might be. Wow. That's really beautiful that we all have a sense of belonging within ourselves. I think we all want to belong somewhere. Yeah. Um, but to accept that you have that all along, um, that's really nice. I'll, that, I'll really take that to heart awesome. this next year. Yeah. Well, this uh, definitely got heartfelt in this interview, it it, but it wasn't necessarily that <laughs> too. But um, for, for all of my listeners out there that would love to follow along your mm-hmm. journey to check out your art, uh, what's the best place for them to, to check out your art and yeah, just kind of follow along? Thank you. Um, definitely Instagram. My Instagram is rayrick, R-A-Y-R-I-C-K-K. I post lots of my art on there, but will also be posting updates of where I am and what I'm painting along the way. And is there anywhere that people can go currently to buy your art or is it just like, do you only sell it at galleries? Uh, yeah, I work right now in two different shows, um, one at Alice Govan Gallery in Portland, Maine and um, Oxier Klein in New York City. And I'll be doing a two-person show um, with them in April. Um, so I'll be back in New York for that. And then also Jill Newhouse Gallery in New York. I have work available through them. Awesome. Yeah. Well, for anybody out there, definitely go check out Rachel's work on her Instagram. And yeah, I think you're a phenomenal artist and I'm very Thank excited you, to see what you're able to create on this adventure year that you're just starting. <laughs> Um, Me too. <laughs> we'll see. Final question for you mm-hmm. of the day, Rachel, is what is your definition of awesome? My definition of awesome is definitely living within your passion. So for me, it's painting. Um, it's painting and it's laughing. That is awesome to me. And I like to do both a lot. But- <laughs> That is awesome. I love that. And I think everybody should probably do a little bit more painting or whatever their passion might be, but definitely everybody should do a lot more laughing. (laughs) I think the world is a better place when everybody laughs a little bit. Agreed. Yeah, this has been a phenomenal conversation and a ton of fun. Thank you so very much for joining me. For all of our listeners out there, I hope you guys got some phenomenal insight I hope you enjoyed uh, Rachel's story as much as I did and felt the encouragement that she gives us all to follow our passion, follow our dreams, and to just go for it, regardless how intimidating or scary it may be at times. And if you did, uh, please, if you guys could share this out with someone that you think might need to hear this, whether it be a friend or a family member, um, please share this out. If you guys want, go ahead and throw it on your social media if, if you're okay with that. Otherwise, I just ask for you guys to share it with someone that you think might need to hear this. Uh, I wish you all a phenomenal New Year's, and I hope that this 2022 will be the adventure year for all of us. <laughs> yes. So thank you guys, as always, for tuning in and listening. I am Nick Troutman signing off and wishing you all a very awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.